made it. Packed, flight, you're there. I made it. Bag was over the limit. That's not a surprise. But it was only one kilogram over. And so I'm celebrating, thinking that's brilliant. They're not going to charge me anything. It's all good. And then he gets out that sticker, you know, the big, bright, illuminous orange sticker telling everybody you've got a really heavy bag. And he put it on the case. But it was fine. Yeah, well, you do have a heavy bag. <laughs> uh, yes, I do. And I thought I was really proud of myself. It wasn't bulging. You know when you just zip it up and you can just zip it up. You don't have to sit on it, get your family members to sit on it, squash things in that are falling out the sides. I didn't have to do any of that. So I was really confident I'd nailed it. How big is your suitcase? It was big. Because you say like 25 kilos. It, no, it came in at 26. But I've definitely, I've definitely fitted 32 in that suitcase before. Wow. I mean, what, how long were you going for? 32 kilograms of stuff. I had a whole lot of people sitting on it at that point to close it. It's, well, it's my kit to record the podcast. It's very heavy. No, it's not. <laughs> I've got exactly the same kit. It's not heavy at all. And also it can go in your hand luggage. It's very heavy. Then I have to buy presents for the family. Lots of presents. No, but you haven't bought them yet. You buy them when you're in Australia. And bring them home. Uh, well, I told you, it's toiletries. I take toiletries <laughs> with me. Do you take like massive shampoos and conditioners? Yeah. That's so unnecessary. But it's not because I thought about this when I arrived here. It, I arrived at 9.30 at night. Felt like I'd been hit over the head with a mallet or yeah. something. Went to sleep. Woke up next morning. Went to have a shower. Had some shampoo. Perfect. <laughs> so, you can't question that. That was perfect. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Fine. And so considering you're staying in an apartment where you might not be given shampoo, that's fair enough. But in a hotel, normally on day one, you can use their shampoo and then go out and get some better stuff. But it's, uh, I just, yeah, I could do. I don't do. But I was I was really happy that the suitcase closed. The, the taxi driver didn't make too many weird noises when he tried to lift it and failed and had to use both hands. But then I got the heavy sticker. But it was fine. It was, got upgraded. For the 20-hour ah, flight. Amazing. Oh, so that's a game changer, that is. Upgraded to the point where I had a bed. A flat... Oh, how was it? A flat bed. Did you sleep? With a ma- no, I was too excited. I was like a child in a sweet... Ch- I was pressing buttons. <laughs> you know you have the little um, divider between the two seats in business. You have a little mm. divider. I kept pushing it down and up, and the man next to me, he was like, what are you doing? It's <laughs> just like, yeah. see if it works. <laughs> I was pressing <laughs> buttons... I was opening things. I was looking at stuff. I was reclining the bed. I was putting the bed back up again. I was going down again. I was having way too much fun to sleep. Were you just chatting to people? Because it's a lot more sociable, isn't it? Because you're kind of facing each other. Oh, no, I wasn't facing anyone. I just ha- I was in my own cocoon, apart from the fella next to me with the, the divider. He made it clear. Very, oh, bless him. He oh, um, had a massive magnifying glass because his eyesight wasn't very good. And, and every time I put the little divider down, he had this whopping great magnifying oh. glass and he was looking at the map to see where we were. So, no, I, not a lot of talking, just just a lot of me pressing buttons and doing stuff, having fun. Has he not heard of glasses? I mean, this magnifying glass was big. I mean, it was... Well, is it the sort of thing that no glasses could help? When you first looked at it, you chuckled because, bless him, he was trying to read the menu of the food. Right. And and the air steward walked past and he tried not to laugh because it's an enormous... This uh, I can't tell you how big this magnifying glass was. <laughs> Huge. <laughs> and he said... I've never seen anyone just walking around with... Just one. Mag- yeah, just a big... And he glass. said, sir, would you like me to read out your choices? <laughs> and, and luckily the gentleman said, yes, that, thank you, that'd be very helpful. So, no, there wasn't a lot of talking until a lady to my right, so there's not a lot of us in this space 
got very, very drunk. Oh, that's always the way, isn't it, in business? She was... I mean, I kept noticing that drinks kept appearing on her little table to my right because a lot of... To the point where they left the bottle at one point. And she was a very loud drunk, I would say. And... Oh, and no. and she got so was it all well she got really drunk at the time when you're meant to be sleeping or they'd like you to sleep but was she not getting drunk so that she could sleep it wasn't working because every time they suggested to her oh. very politely <laughs> madam maybe a little snooze would help i don't want to sleep and she'd bounce up and start walking around the plane and you can't make me sleep so um, then she went on a little rage about donald trump <laughs> for, oh, well. for about 10 minutes it w- Hopefully that made her feel better. It was much more fun than watching a movie. So I had my headphones in, but I was actually listening to her because it was way more fun. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> but how are you going to get back? Because do you have business on the way no, back? I, I've, yeah, it's a problem. I oh, d- I, I mean, just, how um, are you going to step on that plane? I'm actually, I actually thought that. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm actually really, I'm really not sure because I, the upgrade was amazing, but I don't know. I don't know how I can come back. I don't know how I do it. Can lend me some money? I don't know. Well, just, I mean, however you manage to get this one, just be nice and ask. Tell them you're on your honeymoon, something like that. It doesn't, isn't that the thing that always on works? On my own. Well, yeah. On my yeah. own. That's weird. Maybe I should tell them the honeymoon didn't work out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going for a quick... <laughs> Um, yeah, but th- that's the one that they always say. That's where you're m- more than likely to get upgraded. But I've uh, seen women turn up at check-in with their wedding dress, hoping to get an upgrade, and it hasn't worked. Shut up! I have. What, wearing I promise. It. No, holding it. But that's just as bad as wearing it. Why would they be holding it? Go to get honeymoon. an upgrade. To get an upgrade. So they come in saying, "We've just got married. Look, here's my wedding dress. Can we have an upgrade?" But they could have worn the wedding dress ten years ago. I'd be like, "That is not proof. Where's exactly. your certificate?" Which is why they didn't get the upgrade. And now they're stuck with all their bags and a wedding dress. I mean, that is ridiculous. What is wrong I've with people? I've, s- I've seen it a couple of times. <laughs> and it, uh, a couple of times? I have seen what it a couple you, of times. What airline are you flying on? <laughs> Who are these people? Airlines that don't give upgrades. <laughs> <laughs> no matter how many wedding dresses you have with and you. And then oh when you God. finally get an upgrade, you get a really drunk woman who's got an issue with Donald Trump for about six hours. Oh, and she, you yeah. know, some people get drunk and they fall asleep. Well, That's yeah, this fine. is... W- I don't understand why no. she didn't do that. She was like um, a jack-in-a-box. Every time they convinced her to lie down, she sprung up. Every time right. they convinced her to lie down, she sprung up. And when she sprung up, she just sort of wobbled off down the plane. And then they'd have to bring her back and lay her down again. So it was, uh, I mean, I found it quite amusing. They kept saying to me, Madam, are you okay? Are you fine? Would you like to be moved? I was like, no, I'm, I'm fine. I was just, I was just enjoying. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> there but you yes, go. no. And anyway, but I made it's it. still I made it. better than economy. So it, no, it's, it was incredible. Um, absolutely incredible. And I made it, I still felt like I'd been hit over the head by something with jet lag. But, and you know, the weirdest thing was walking out of Melbourne airport because everyone had been talking about the air quality and you'd seen all the pictures. I was just to see what it was like as I came out, but we came at a time when the wind direction had changed. It was actually pretty clear and it had a little bit of rain. So since I've been here, the air quality has has been pretty good it's not as good as it normally is here but i've been running outside and that was fine and and the rains today this we're recording this towards the very end of day one yes when most of the matches on the outdoor courts 
were cancelled because the rain. Does this make sense to you if I say that Australian rain is not like UK rain? Yes, because I've experienced it. I know exactly what you mean. It's just big. Like it's yeah. It, it just it's big globules of water. They've never ever in the history of Australia had mild weather. It is just <laughs> extra. Whereas in the UK, we've never had anything that is not pretty much mild. Even you know our heat waves are kind of. Eh, most countries would be like, I think that's winter, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it could not be more different. Just so many extremes. So how would you describe the rain, the Australian rain? Just it's like it's like a each drop, each globule is like a bucket of water. Yeah. So you go yeah, out. It's quite aggressive, isn't it's, it? It's very it, like, aggressive. It hits you. You feel every drop. You do a tiny dash, and you are you are soaking wet. And there's they've they're doing a lot of developing at Melbourne Park. So there's bits that's in developments. They've put makeshift corridors and tunnels. And there's a tunnel that pretty much takes you from the media centre, which is also where the press conferences are. So the players, the Roger Federer, Serena Williams, they will all have to go there at some point. And this corridor, makeshift corridor, takes you all the way through into the bowels of the Rod Laver Arena from where you can access Margaret Court Arena, etc. But there's a, there's a little bit that's outdoors. And in that little bit, I'm telling you, it's a tiny bit, got absolutely soaked. And when I came back, there'd been so much water, there was a crack in the makeshift corridor. There was a waterfall in the middle of the corridor. And then when I got back to our commentary box, there was a leak in the Rod Laver Arena roof. Oh. And there was water, water coming down onto the Melbourne sign that people would be familiar with at the back of the courts during the Barty match. And between every point, a ball girl or ball boy was rushing on with a towel. Well, between every point? Every point. No way. Because wow. the rain is torrential, there's a leak in the roof, and the water was on on the signs, so on the slippery, but on the letters, on, on the Melbourne, the word Melbourne. Oh, no. I, can you imagine? The worst case scenario there? Awful disaster. Yeah. No, I agree with you about the rain. The drops are, I think they're pretty aggressive. You, you know about it. Oh. There's a thing with Australia, you know about weather. So what I've never really understood is why in the UK we talk about weather so much because it's within quite a small range as to what the weather can be. It's just kind of slightly miserable or slightly okay. But if I was living in Australia, I'd be obsessed with the weather because it, it just, it's so different every single day and everything is so extreme. I'm never going to complain about British rain again because this rain the thing is we needed this rain the country needed this it, it's the weirdest feeling if you're at a tournament an outdoor tournament you never want rain but because of everything that's happening with the bushfires in australia we were on one hand very happy that there is this rain and hopefully it's doing the job it needs to do in australia and on the other hand you've i think there are going to be on tuesday 90 90 matches attempted to be played 90 wow at least they like yeah. a night session so they, they got the lights, yeah, they, <laughs> they got the staff, <laughs> everybody's here anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, so what's been happening with the tennis? Day one is nearly over. Some shocks? Uh, one shock? Or I should say, and if people are new to our podcast and are thinking, what are these two women wittering on about? Tennis largely, some random stuff. And we do say we're not a results service just because it dates so quickly. But the hardest time for us not to be is during a grand slam so as we're doing this Novak Djokovic is on court and he's about to lose the third set now Ooh. I'm not saying he's going to lose <laughs> to Jan Leonard Struff and I'm not saying he's going to lose the match but it, things can date very quickly but to date today the upset Denis Shapovalov 
13th seed, Marton Fucevic, not the kind of player when he's playing well you want to meet at the early stages of a tournament. Yeah. But Shapovalov, he was, he just... He just wasn't completely present today. He was yelling at the chair. He threw his racket at one point, smashed his racket into the court. It didn't break, but he was given a code violation. So his argument was, let's see what you think about this argument. You cannot give me the code violation because I didn't break it. Well, that's an absolute nonsense, obviously. I don't know what he's talking about. How has he not <laughs> understood this? <laughs> he's played tennis for quite a long time now. I know he's young, but come on. It's pretty basic. He said, if I'd broken it, you could have given me the code. You just want to give me codes. No, it's <laughs> that if you break a racket, it is 100% a code. There's no discussion. It's not up to the umpire's discretion. If your racket snaps and you have to go and change it for a new one, it's just 100% a code violation. That's just the way it is. Um, but if you smack it on the ground, it's up to them to decide how frustrated you were, how aggressive it was how much of racket abuse it actually is. Does it warrant a warning? And clearly it did. But he was just not, not right. And that was kind of bizarre to me. Such a strong end to the year and a great start to the year as well. A couple of big wins in ATP Cup. He was looking fairly sharp. All the signs were that he was going to have a great Grand Slam. And yeah, it was it was not a great match. Now, credit to Futsovic because he was Awesome. I mean, particularly towards the end, he played so well. He was, re I mean, he just couldn't miss. It was amazing. And Shapovalov, his balance of play was up, down, all over the place. The first set, there were so many unforced errors, lots of double faults, kind of got it together in the second set, looked like he was going to gather some momentum. He won that one really tightly. And then, um, yeah, just kind of fell away again. And I don't know, it's difficult for him because there's always this word discipline that we use for him. And discipline, I think, is one of the most overused words in tennis. And I think most people think it's being consistent. So if you make lots of balls and you don't miss much, well, you showed great discipline, which I totally disagree with. Because if you're a really aggressive player and all you did was get the ball into court, that shows really poor discipline. You need to be aggressive at the right times. And actually... Discipline is about making the right decision on each individual shot. So looking at the information on the ball, registering where you are, what the score is, what your opponent's doing on the court and what you want to do. Also thinking about tactics. There are so many decisions to make in a split second. And that is what discipline is. And actually, I don't think he was disciplined at all because he just became so tentative. It was just kind of... Sometimes he, he was just getting the ball back into play and Fuchsovic was like, okay, well, that just dropped short, so I'm just going to step up and hit it then. So uh, it is difficult when you're trying to rein in talent, which, of course, he has. The explosivity, the, the winner capability, he can hit winners from anywhere on the court. And he has done really well with the discipline and and reining it in particularly back end of last year uh, he started with working with Mikhail Yuzny so that clearly has been going fairly well but this to me wasn't a disciplined performance this was kind of flat and sometimes when you work with young players as a coach if if you talk to them after a match and you say right okay x y and z was excellent but in the next round uh what we need to do is we just want to make a couple more balls before you go for the big shot, right? So we just want to just be a little more consistent, just extend the rallies just a touch, then go for it. Maybe one extra shot, um, you know, or you might say something like, look, everything was great. We just need to reduce the unforced errors. So don't change anything, but just really try and play with your margins and, and reduce unforced errors. And then 
players will just tap the ball in over and over and over again, just tap it in. And uh, you say, no, that's not what I said. <laughs> or if you tell a player to be more aggressive, they'll then just like thump everything, blast everything out, go down the line, take all of the risks in the world. And you'll say, no, that's not what I said. <laughs> Basically tip the balance into being a little more aggressive. Anyway, all I'm saying is his discipline and his balance was all over the show. He said he felt nervous. He, because everyone said, what about your preseason? He said, no, my conditioning was good. I was in the right form. It's nothing to do with that. He said, I just felt nervous. And maybe that's understandable because there are expectations on these young guys, whether it's Tsitsipas, who was very, very good today getting his win, whether there's Medvedev, who some people have even tipped to win the Australian Open. But these young guys, there is a lot more pressure on them now. And, and maybe that's something. He's the th- he's the 13th seed at a Grand Slam. Yeah, he's in a different position. There's a bit of a different energy about Shapovalov. I picked him for my top eight finish at the the O2 this year. Oh, I know, right? But... I thought this was it. He's knocking on the door of the top 10. But it's only... It's only January. It is still January. Yeah, no, I'm not it? saying it's so over. He, so, well, well, it sounded a little defeatist there. <laughs> well, this, if you're if you're if you're Mikhail Eugenie, and you're saying to Shapovalov, "Oh, I had you going to London. Not going to do it now." What kind of a well, coach are you? I want positivity. I'm not a great coach. <laughs> I never said I was. <laughs> I want um, positivity, Cavaday. Uh, Come you're on, not going to get that from me. Positivity, um, but. <laughs> Yeah, I do think there's just it's a different energy, different vibe, more expectation. He broke through. Then he had to manage some things, particularly his body, his fitness, too many tournaments, made some mistakes, changed his team, changed his team again, changed his team again. <laughs> so <laughs> that's been slightly difficult. Now seems a little more settled. And then at the back end of the year, got that title. That's what he was looking for. I think that really helped. And then he... Yeah, it, it just felt like, okay, 2020, we're going to really see some big stuff from Shapovalov. But maybe he is feeling that expectation in himself. Maybe he's there thinking, everything's in place now. I've learned all of the lessons. I've matured. I've done all of that. I get the discipline thing now. Maybe it just didn't work out. Roger Federer looked very good. A lot of people say, well, how's he going to be? Because A, he's old. B, he hasn't had any warm-up matches because there was there's there's no there's no I'm just putting it bluntly here because there was no Hotman Cup and decided to spend a little bit more time with his family. He had that South American tour with Sasha Zverev at the at the end of the season and he didn't play ATP Cup, so he's going to be rusty and da da da. Look fabulous, six three six two six two against Steve Johnson. But I was speaking to Mark Woodford. Australian tennis legend who is slightly disturbed because at um, at Melbourne Park around Garden Square in the centre they have lots of busts busts of legends of the Australian game oh right what are they made out of marble bronze they have a marble bust papier mache <laughs> good in this weather wouldn't they <laughs> tomorrow morning Mark where's your bust gone <laughs> they've all melted they're all a bit <laughs> soggy um, so his bronze bust um, has moved. We were doing a little intro piece for him for the radio today, and let's we said we're going to meet by your bust, and he went to the wrong place because he's he's been moved. So his his bust is, and not only has Mark Woodford's bust been moved, a, b, it doesn't completely look like Mark Woodford, c, the plaque with the details are wrong. So was this just <laughs> somebody else's bust that they just thought? 
It looks close enough to Mark. We'll just change a couple of numbers. Well, they gave him an extra Grand Slam title, which I said he shouldn't complain at that. Just take it, right? 18 instead which of 17. One? They gave him an extra mixed doubles title. Oh, fab. So I said, look, take it. But his Davis Cup years were 1998 to 2000. Oh, <laughs> um, he said, that's wrong. He, he said, what did they do with the other 10? <laughs> so he was, and I said, Mark, I'm glad you're dealing with this well. And then at some point it was, we were just chatting and there was a gentleman, an old gentleman, taking a photo of Mark's bust, as Why it were. Why are you calling everybody old? No, this guy was old. I just, he was. <laughs> I was <laughs> the guy next to me in the plane had, had a magnifying glass the size of a small country. He was old. The guy taking the photo of, of Mark Woodford's bust was, was old because he had to take the glass off, look forward. He wasn't sure he was looking at. So anyway, so he's leaning forward with his phone to take the photo. Meanwhile, Woody is saying, it's not a very good likeness. Uh, they've got the stats wrong. And then this old man told Mark to get out the way. Oh, no. <laughs> of his own bust. And so so Mark's sort of doing all this chat. This guy was like, out the way, please. And I said, I said, no, 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 it's his bust. I said, it's his bust. And then this man looked and he was so embarrassed because there's Mark Woodford with his arm around his bust grinning. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm not having it. I don't think this is his bust. If it's got the wrong it dates, is his the wrong titles, it doesn't look anything like him. The only thing that is consistent with it being Mark's bust is the name, which they could have easily got wrong. Do you know what? He, that it was funny, though, that he said was quite funny. There's a bust of Pat Rafter, another legend of the Australian game. Uh, and Mark Woodford said it looks like Conchita Martinez. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think we all understand that sculpting is hard. Okay, It's very difficult to get a likeness in bronze, evidently. So I did wander off from the subject of Roger Federer. I'm not sure how we got to Mark Woodford's bust from Roger Federer. They're but basically the same. Well, that was they? it. Mark Woodford said that he believed that when the, <laughs> when the draw was made <laughs> and Steve Johnson saw his draw, Roger Federer had won. And Steve Johnson conceded defeat. Yeah, well, that happens m most of the time. As soon as he saw the draw, he believed Steve Johnson said, well, <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> That's it. Which yeah. It seems incredible to me, however good the person you're going to face is, it seems incredible to me that the battle and the match can be won that early. Yeah, well, we talked about this with Serena before and the Madison Keys thing a couple of years ago at Wimbledon and how she lost the round before playing Serena because she was so focused and concerned about playing Serena. It is unbelievable how players roll out the red carpet and they just get so intimidated. Um and that's and they just have no belief. But you can't fake it. You can't you can say that you have all the belief under the sun, but after three games and Federer's first five games to go four one up were absolutely sublime. So if you're Stevie Johnson, any amount of belief you had managed to summon up was just gone. Destroyed. Absolutely nothing left it is yeah it's it's the mind game isn't it and it, it's annoying because they don't need any extra advantage they are just better than everybody else <laughs> these players but I remember when it comes to the draw I know they do a different draw ceremony here at the Australian Open because it all just appears doesn't it it's just there the draw's been done how was it done when was it done why was it done who knows but it's just there <laughs> and it's done and you just accept that it's done whereas at Wimbledon uh, and at the French Open it's done kind of piece by piece and it's just this dramatic thing and I remember 
were sitting in the players lounge in Orangi Park at Wimbledon and you just watch it on the screen so you have a digital draw and it comes out name by name by name by name and uh, and lots of the players kind of gather in there after practice before practice um, a lot of the 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 coaching teams as well. If the player is um, on court, they'll come and see the draw so they can run straight down. You want to get the information whilst it's fresh, hot off the press. You want to tell your player who they're playing. But don't players always tell you, I don't want to know who I'm playing. No, no, that's looking rounds ahead. They need to know who they're playing in the first round. Not, not a single person has ever walked out on court and gone, oh, I'm playing Venus. <laughs> Lovely. Not known. That's never happened. <laughs> They might not want to know who they're playing in the next round before they've won, but no one's just turning up. But but that's but that's the same. They they might not. They come off court. Do you want to know who you're playing next round? No. But at some point, you've got to know because again, you are facing them. Even Serena would have like had her team do some sort of digging on Potapova. Well, I I'm well that that was. I mean, she's gonna win it. Wow. I mean, Serena. I, I'm still saying I'm going. I'm going with Osaka for the title who looked great today but but Serena Williams looks I mean boy she looked good I mean she wasn't getting an awful lot from the other end to be fair but she she just meant business but but that's that's the way it's been hasn't it the last few times she has meant business but it's been at the title match it's been in that seventh match after two weeks when it hasn't worked out whether you've had a Simona Halep on a completely different planet to win Wimbledon or the Margaret Court gremlins have crept in to Serena Williams. I, I'm not worried about her in the early rounds. It's just when it gets to the to the match that could possibly change her legacy. Yeah. That's that's when it that's when it doesn't hasn't been working out. Well, now I can see you aboard of my story, but I'm going to finish it anyway. Oh, sorry. So we were in the players' lounge <laughs> watching the draw. I've got jet lag. <laughs> can I just keep saying? <laughs> <laughs> who are you what's the name of this podcast well i'll be honest it's, i mean it's not it's not it's not amazingly interesting i'm not gonna lie yeah so all the names are coming out and it's the men's draw and um and obviously you're standing there waiting to see if your name comes out and if you're not seeded well not because it, it's the men's draw so it wouldn't no, i wasn't but one might be anyway <laughs> i'm talking about mardi fish so mardi fish was sat right next to me just watching and watching and watching and watching. It's not coming. It's not coming. And all the way down, three names left. Rafa at the bottom of the draw. Two names left. And then as soon as the penultimate name was pulled and it wasn't Marty Fish, everybody looked at Marty Fish, obviously, because he's playing Rafa. And he just got up and just marched out. Didn't, oh, wow. didn't wait to see his just name gone. appear. But just as soon as the one before... It was he was just gone. Him, his team running after him. He was but just storming. Even out. if it'd been the penultimate name, he would have faced him in the second round. That is true. He might have won a round, <laughs> which is <laughs> it's always nicer to face these guys in like rounds two or three if you're not seeing it's, it's weird because I imagine there are those players who, well, like Coco Goff said, I bet people couldn't believe and I couldn't believe when I drew Venus Williams again after meeting her at Wimbledon and beating her at Wimbledon. She said, I, I could not believe this had happened once again. You've got a 39-year-old against a 15-year-old. I mean, it's yeah. incredible. How many titles had Venus won when Coco was born? Like loads. Oh, I remember we, we did this at the time around the Wimbledon one a lot. I th hadn't she won? 
I said, I've got jet lag. <laughs> Look, it's a it's a good number. You're the one that provides loose facts. I've currently got jet lag. So between us, <laughs> we should get this. If people go back to around to our Wimbledon podcast, it's definitely in there. Definitely. Right. Okay, fine. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get that one. We'll dig it up. Um, but it's amazing with draws. People don't realize that it just works out that way. There are some people you just barely ever play. And then other people that you just play all the time it's uh, amazing in brisbane we did um a match oh no i can't remember who it was madison keys against pushkova <laughs> maybe uh but anyway it was the first time they'd met which sure is kind of crazy Do you want to change somebody, <laughs> somebody like that you've gone serena williams to win this whole thing haven't you i have yeah let's move on yep i have I've gone <laughs> i've gone osaka who looked very good today and I've also gone Halep. I don't know why I've been allowed to. Judy Murray has gone Ash Barty. Nice. Yep. Of course. I'll tell you what, I said this before. I would not be surprised if Pliskova does it this time. And and she also, when I was rattling off a few names, I forgot Pliskova. And she said, and there's Pliskova. Uh, of yep. course, there is, who has been getting closer and closer. And she looks very relaxed. And? Yes. The draw quite weighted to the other half of the draw because Barty, Osaka and Serena all in the same half. Petra Kvitova, 6-1-6 love today. We know what she can do. And Sloane Stevens, we're not a results service, but Sloane Stevens looks like she's about to go out. And Caroline Wozniacki, the, the long farewell, hopefully will be a long farewell because she came through her first round. Serena Williams in press was asked about Wozniacki's legacy and I'm sure we'll do more on this when when the road finally comes to an end for her worst outfit so far Grigor Dimitrov did you see it oh my <laughs> my my <laughs> <laughs> I mean that guy can pull off pretty much anything but I, I'm not even sure I'm, I don't think that I don't think it looked Absolutely like he was wearing shocking. a onesie when he came out looked like a onesie yeah the full tracksuit why would you go full tracksuit like, like a big onesie and then he takes it off and he looks like a it's like a cow, isn't it? It's like a, those patches and shapes, like a splattered, multicolored cow. Is that a really bad description? But nobody can outdo Grigor. There's no way. I don't think you can be worse. I mean, this is worse than back in the zebra years. I, I wasn't 100% against the zebra. What? Was I not? <laughs> Speaking of zebras, someone who wore the zebra was Christina Medenovic. Yes. So Sasha Bain left her, as, as you do know, at the end of last season. Uh, he was working with Yastremska now? Yes. Is that right? I like that. I remember we talked about it. I like it. You, you do like that. Uh, yeah. But uh, um, Mladenovic, his new official coach, is... Drum roll. Uh, I don't know how to do a drum roll oh. with my mouth. Oh, I was what? How would you... How? How would you ever do a drum roll with your mouth? Well, into a microphone. No, you'd tap a, ta into you'd a, tap a table or something. You wouldn't I've do got it. nothing to tap on. But you would do it with your mouth. Yeah. Um, her new coach is <laughs> her brother. Hey. Is it? But, but is it? Is, but in all seriousness. Has he actually been named as like head coach or is he just kind of coaching her until she finds a coach? Well, it's the same thing. The fact he is listed. I don't know if it is or not. I think that's very different. If she's saying my new coach is my brother, I think that's a bit of a stretch. I think she is. But if he's just looking after her, because he's travelled with her loads through her career. He's always yes, been in the box. Yes, but there's travelling and there's my brother's my coach. It's very different. 
Yeah, but I'm sure he would have picked up a few bits and pieces, you know, a over the net, bits, inside the lines. A few bits and pieces. But in, in all seriousness, if she's wanting, no disrespect to her brother, who's who's a footballer, his profession was football, how can she... I don't know. You had Sasha Bain, top-class coach, who's proved himself to be a very good coach. But surely that you can't just have your brother. Or do you get to a point when you think, I'm pretty much where I am and I can't learn much more, so why not? Well, a lot of people get to that point, really. It, you know, sometimes it can be difficult to keep pushing yourself and trying to get better and better. But, I mean, from Mladenovic, she was in the top 10, wasn't she? And she really fell away. And then it looked like with Sasha Bayin, she was getting things together. She's had some big wins, uh, particularly back end of last year. Like individual wins, of course, a Fed Cup. Oh, that was awesome. That win against Ash Barty, of course. Um, so the tennis is still in there. It's just about getting it out of her. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought that she's going to find her best form with her brother as her main coach. But I imagine that she's just going to keep a lookout to see if there's anybody else about. I mean, if you don't secure somebody in off season, then really you kind of have to wait a little bit because people will start breaking up come Indian Wells when it hasn't gone particularly well for them. That's kind of the early... The early sort of breakups happen around Indian Wells, Miami, and then she might be able to nab someone. I'm just reading a, a tweet that came through from the French press that says Luca, her brother, is her new coach. He knows the tennis very well. He had a real desire to help me. I'm very proud of it. And he's hyper engaged. Wow. Okay. Have you seen um, the graphic, the very helpful graphic that the WTA do of the coaching carousel? Oh, yes. I like that. They started doing it a couple of years ago. And it was awesome. Apart, this year is slightly different. But in the last couple of years, I've always felt like they need their own, the, the Czechs need their own little section. Because the Czech coaches move around all of the Czech players and <laughs> move from Pliskova to Kvitova to Stritsova to this to that to whatever. But um, yeah, and it's actually very helpful to just get your head around where people have moved and where they've come from. And they've got about 20 players, I think, on it. And there's all these arrows and X's and ticks and all sorts. Um, but that's the only way I'm keeping track on the women's side because there's a lot of movement every year. <laughs> of, of who's coaching. Who. And the other thing you have to keep track of at the start of the year is the doubles because you've got lots of new pairings. Yes. So people you didn't know were breaking up. And then... There was news about Robert Farah, who's been provisionally suspended, that seemed to come as a, a bolt from the blue in terms of what they've achieved. He is contesting it. He said it was contaminated meat um, that he has in, in Colombia. But there's the shock of that sort of sinking in, that we won't see Cabal and, and Farah, at least not for now. And then there are new partnerships that are forming. And it's just, it's the first few weeks of the year when you're sort of trying to get your head around everything. Even walking around here, and suddenly I see Michael Venus and John Piers walking around together. And then I suddenly remembered, of course, they're now together. Yeah. And that's that's a different pairing. So it's, it is, yeah, it's, it's crazy. There are so many people here, uh, the, the friends and family. There's so many dogs that are around, little dogs, which you know me, I haven't got a clue what they are. There's friends, there's the Sitsipas family, mum and dad. Stefano Sitsipas has said he's apologised to his dad about clobbering him with the racket by accident. He's deleted all his social media apps and he's just now focusing. So, but it's, it, it's great and wonderfully the access we have to get to where our commentary box is, which is in the bowels of the Rod Laver Arena, we have to walk through that main corridor. So, into the players' area, past the gym, past the locker room, past the waiting area. Right. So you, you see scenes like today. Carolyn Wozniacki had won, and you're so used to seeing her 
on court, obviously surrounded by the crowd or with her family, but she was just on her own. She had come back from the match. She just popped her bag on the floor. She was standing waiting on her own, probably for everyone to join her. But it's just like a glimpse of seeing her. I don't think I've ever seen her on her own. <laughs> Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like she's always she's with her dad or fiance or a hitting partner. She was just, and then Venus Williams after she lost to Coco Goff, just so the disappointment in her face. And I don't know. These are little, little snippets that you don't normally get to see. Yeah, and I mean the the team things are amazing, isn't it? Because sometimes there are some players you just don't see them without their team. They only operate in this little sort of bubble. You know they're insulated and wrapped up and the, the team moves around and the team goes to eat lunch and they all sit at the same table and this sort of thing you very rarely see a lot of the players just walking by themselves but when it comes to the, the coaching pairings there's one actually that I've got a big question mark over and that is Osaka and Wimforset because I found that a bit of a, a curveball because because she plays her like okay Wimforset is known for his statistics, he helps set up all of the SAP stuff. Uh, he loves his stats. He loves his tactics, strategies, looking at the 1%, all of the detail. And he's very good at it. And with all of the players that he's had success with, they've all been very good at that. You could argue that the one player of his list of players that he was the least successful with is the person who is the most like Osaka, which would be Johanna Konta. And I think they fall into the category of... You know, you've got the stats, you've got the information, you've got the detail, you've got the tactics, the strategy, the numbers. And they don't like any of it. They just want to feel good and they want to just see ball, hit ball. And Osaka particularly is a complete contrast to somebody like Ash Barty who could tell you the difference of using each individual type of ball and how that changes her game. And Osaka's like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> I, I don't even notice if there's difference in my string tension. I just play. <laughs> and so I'm kind of... I kind of find it interesting. So is Wimfoset going to adapt his coaching to Osaka? Maybe he will. Or is he going to add a new dimension to the Osaka game? Or is it just not going to work at all? Maybe she felt she needed a bit of that. Even if naturally that's not the type of player she is. She's won a couple of Grand Slam titles. She wants to push on. She wants to be one of the greats. She wants to build on it. And maybe she's realised that it needs to be more than Seaball Hitball. She's surrounded herself with a team that makes her yes feel very comfortable. And we believe that was an issue with the Sasha Bayan. It didn't really fit into Osaka and, and who she is, etc, etc. So she's got the bulk of those people around her that do that. And, and then she went with a coach who used to be a Venus Williams hitting partner and, and there wasn't enough there, despite the fact, sure, very nice guy, Jermaine Jenkins and, and got on well. So maybe she feels that she needs someone like Winforset who has had proven success with players at the highest level and that maybe it's, it, it's an experiment. She's going through different coaches I mean her dad was with her recently at a couple of matches maybe she just feels that she needs a bit of the win for set style yeah and, and look I'm, I'm not saying it's not going to work I just have a big question mark over it sometimes you see the coaching pairings and you think yes that's going to be great but yeah not convinced so just have to to see how it goes I was just a bit surprised by that uh, appointment how is your house hunting going it's good hunting hard yeah it's going all right thanks have you well, have you found something yeah have actually it's lovely <gasps> This is breaking news. I know. We don't have it yet. All this chain malarkey. So I'm going to have to update you next time. 
But 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 you think this this could be the one? A little bit like Ben is the one. This house could be the one. Ah, Ben's not the one. <laughs> um, no, neither is this house. <laughs> I don't really believe in the one. He was my choice, and this house is my choice. Well, that's a big statement. I don't I don't believe in the one. <laughs> I have to yeah, say, so romantic. That moving house is is awful. Yeah, it's horrendous, isn't it? I know. It's horrendous. I mean, that, that I know we're not we're not quite there yet, but that I'm sure I'll have some horror stories coming I'd shortly. I'd say that there were people that sent in some wonderful tips for packing. There was Louisa sent something about packing cubes. I've never heard of packing cubes, but apparently they can no. help with your packing. Uh, and then Sarah sent a link to portable scales so I could weigh my bag before I took it to the airport. But it would make no difference because yeah. I'm not going to take anything out. It'd still be heavy. So you, when it comes right, when it's not your dream house, but the one you've chosen, we might get some moving tips. What do you think? Yeah, that would be very helpful. I've never really moved. I've never sold a house before or moved. So, um, yeah. Oh. And, you mm. are going to be really grumpy. Oh, mm. yeah, we might really? just have to not do podcasts. Yeah, I think you'll get grumpy. Uh, yeah, I think so. Maybe. It, it gets quite It gets quite. Well, you're stressful. going to need some tips because you're going to have to fit in about five kilos of gifts into your new, your packing on the way home. And they're not going to be so lenient when you're not in business. <laughs> no, they're going to be in the toilets at the back of the plane <laughs> with a very heavy bag that I've had to pay for. It's, uh, yeah, I've got, a, I've, no, I've got a few days to work on that. Maybe I just have to get light presents i don't even know what that means oh and by the way i told <laughs> the horny unicorn mug story on air on the bbc today of course you did of course i did and while mark woodford is still trying to figure out what it was all about judy murray loved it she wants a mug and is convinced it was my mug <laughs> yeah exactly i think that's a fair conclusion to come to i'm on board but it wasn't my mug and it isn't my mug i wouldn't know where to get such a mug but um, right but judy murray said she she whispered, I loved your mug story. <laughs> yeah. And that was enough for me. Thought that was great. Yeah. It's right up Judy Street, isn't it? So, yes, another day. Well, I didn't say another day. The first day is over. First day, um, I, we're not a results service, but Novak Djokovic has won and Sloane Stevens is out. That concludes day one at the Australian Open. Awesome. Well, I will check back in with you then in a few days. Enjoy the rest of the week, the second week, the event everything well i'm hoping i'm hoping i survive day two with 90 matches because uh, it's already midnight here in australia yeah possibly do some research <laughs> all right There's a lot of players Thanks. to get your head around <laughs> well, if i wasn't talking to you doing this i might be getting on with something i'm going to go and do some research for one of the 90 matches that's taking yeah. place in a few hours from now yeah good luck and well good luck with finalizing house stuff thanks and i will speak to you soon i'll speak to you soon bye bye